0: You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fair Game podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. We have an incredible show for you all today. Our guests are two of the most amazing performers and people I've ever met, and also two of my most trusted friends on the planet. Together, they've performed for countless people at fairs across America. They've been featured on the travel channels inside the Houdini Museum, masters of illusion and the abc series to tell the truth she has been called the world's premier female escape artist having attempted houdini's water torture cell escape a mind-boggling 2675 times their show among the most successful and in-demand attractions in the entire fair industry is called lady houdini kevin ridgway and kristen johnson joining us now welcome to the show you guys
1: Hey Robert. Hey Robert.
0: <laughs> so uh, you guys are down uh you're wintering in Florida is it? You're down in Fort Myers. Yes we are. How, and and how weather's down there nice for you at this time of year?
1: Gorgeous gorgeous. <laughs> right now it's about 90 degrees outside and sunny so I'm not complaining.
0: Oh you should have been here yesterday in Albuquerque. We woke up to 10 inches of snow. Wow. Oh
1: wow. <laughs> we don't, And we don't Sorry. get snow
0: in October so. Listen, your show is uh, is one of the best things that I've seen in the fair industry. It's it's interactive. There's incredible energy with it. Will you guys take a minute and kind of um, give the listeners a background on how that show was developed and what's involved in the show?
2: Well, we originally had an illusion show. We were doing theaters and different venues uh, uh, around the country, and then even brought an illusion show to the fair markets. Um, still had the water cell as the finale in that illusion show, but just saw that there was a plethora of magic shows and there wasn't a lot of things to differentiate one act from another. Um so it really wasn't until kind of uh the the, the bad incident with the water cell with Kristen and the NBA halftime show um Inside Edition came, spent some time with us, wanted to talk about that event, uh, air it uh, on, on their show. And they came up with the term and the moniker, Lady Houdini. And we were just like, whoa, that's an awesome name. Why didn't we think of that? Because we used to be the Ridgeway and Johnson Grand Illusion and Escape show because we couldn't think of anything longer. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we thought Lady Houdini, that's brilliant. In two words, you know exactly what the show is going to be about. And then we're kind of glad that we didn't come up with it on our own own because it seems pretty egotistical to call yourself Lady Houdini. Um, So we're glad someone else came up with it. So we spent the time to do it right, uh, trademark it, um, took all the illusions out of the show, rebranded the show Lady Houdini, and really made the show all about Kristen and left the stages on the fair where we were on their stage And we really wanted to turn into a true grounds act and bring in all our own production um, to really hopefully be bigger than life in the fair market and the consistency. I know what I'm getting to every single event. I just need 60 foot by 60 foot water and electricity. And I handle everything and everything. The rest of the show is completely the same, whether it's the first show of the year or 350th show of the year. Um, So in a nutshell, that's kind of how it came about. Um, the water cells, obviously the focus, but we wanted to open up with something really big to grab their attention. And especially for people who weren't even necessarily at the stage at that very moment, forget about the show. Didn't know when the show was They're uh, three, 400 yards across the fairgrounds at a ride. So we opened up with an aerial stunt. Chris is about 30, 30 feet, 31 feet in the air doing a jack escape and then rappelling back down on her own. And so... That's how we open the show, so it grabs a lot of attention. Even if you're not physically at the stage at the very beginning. Smart. Um, so that's kind of how it came about in a nutshell.
0: And this water torture cell, tell me about it.
2: Well, it's the only
1: um, cylindrical tank, so it does not leak, <laughs> which is which is uh, um, not the industry standard. Every other water cell leaks. Um, but when we decided that I was going to do the water saw, I wanted to make it my own. I wanted to make it unique to me instead of just doing it the standard way everybody had done it in the past. So, um, the tank is, is part of that. And, uh, when, when we were putting it together, we made the decision to do it in full view, because if I'm going to, if I'm going to get wet, if I'm going to hold my breath, if I'm going to be underwater... I figured it it was much more intriguing for people to be able to watch than to be looking at a curtain. And in this day and age, with with everything happening so quickly with video games and concert series and how things are, people do not look at blank stages very long, very um, uh, comfortably. So I wanted to to do it so that they could actually see what I'm doing and showcase the skill involved with it, as opposed to having it be um, looked at as some kind of trickery.
0: Yeah, makes sense. You know, the first time I remember seeing you guys do this was on stage at the South Florida Fair. You you had your illusion show then, but this I believe was still your finale. Yes.
1: Yeah. You can't do the rest of the show stopping. Yeah.
0: Just doesn't work. Yeah. And with water splashed all over the stage as you've gone in and out, sure. But I remember watching the audience during this. You know, two, three and a half minutes somewhere in there that you're underwater. And I was looking at the faces of parents and their eyes are huge. And I'm looking at the kids who keep looking back at their parents. Like, is this, is she going to be okay? Like what's happening? Like you could see physical concern communicated on their face. And then when you burst out the top at the end, I mean, they just go nuts. It's probably one of the best finales that I've seen for uh, a magic and illusion show in the industry but you guys have kind of flipped the script on, on magic and illusion shows, you know, it's for forever. I mean, I, I am a a reformed magician. Um, And uh, you know, we know the history of magic, you know, magicians have been cutting their pretty assistants, putting them in boxes and cutting them in half for years and then taking the applause cue. Um, Kevin, you play a huge part of this show. And yet, you have found a way to balance and allow Kristen to really be that star of the show. Um, something not a lot of magicians are, are able to do. How, how has that worked for you? Um, you know, while you still have that important role, you're emceeing the show, you're, you're obviously building her out. every time in the show, it's the world's premier female escape. I mean, you are, you know, you're making it a big deal for her and the audience is into it. You clearly, you can tell how much you adore this woman sitting next to you. Um, but how is it for you to kind of take a little bit of a step back and allow her to have that real limelight?
2: Um, it, it, it was easy because uh, I enjoy watching her. Um, she she impresses me daily. I actually shared that with someone else yesterday. She impresses me daily. And... um. Even in our Illusion show, even though there's just two of us, we still sold that there were three performers. There was me, there was Kristen, and then there was us. Um, and so I just kind of took a little bit step back on that. I still MC the show, but I can still really focus on the safety and the rigging of the show because what she does is inherently dangerous right. uh, at least two different times in the show. And so I can focus on those things versus maybe focusing on what I'm going to be performing. Um, and then I think the biggest advantage is, or I guess the biggest advantage I have over a solo, <laughs> solo performer. Uh, That's okay. Getting a little excited. <laughs> the, the, the biggest advantage I think we have over a solo performer is a solo performer, especially someone who's doing kind of an escape or something bravado really you know masculine or, or or strong or whatever is they really have to tell you how good they are in our show i get to tell everybody how good kristen is yeah not
0: she, me. she is she's phenomenal with it um you know every now and then i see a show and you'll still you still do a little bit of performing. Um, from time to time, maybe there's a little magic from you. How do you decide when you're going to do throw something a little bit from Kevin <laughs> in, and whether or it's, not it's all uh, Kristen?
2: Um, yeah. So I, I've done some stuff over the years. We've tried to keep the show really tight. Um, I I think the the best time length for a show in the fair market, excluding maybe a hypnosis show, is 30 minutes. I agree because um, you want to get people back up, riding rides buying food playing games get back up and honestly spend money um so i don't want to i don't want to drag the show on too long i was taught early in my career be done before the audiences and i think that's very important so i i've kind of removed a couple of small things i did more when we started talking about the story of of our wreck which i know we will touch about later so that lengthened the show inherently just adding that um adding the video wall gave the whole show a whole nother element as well so i didn't really think i needed to do some other things but it's funny probably every city we go to when we go back the next year they're like hey you took something out of the show (laughs) that i really (laughs) liked i'm like uh, it, it, I'm evolving a little bit. So I'll probably bring it back.
0: But that's a, if you think about it, that's a good thing because that shows you that to an extent, they're paying attention, you know, and they're really engaged in the show and paying attention. I mean, I know back when I was a magician, there were times that I would switch up a show and people would come up to me and go, Why don't you do this thing anymore? And I'd be like, What? And they go, This one thing, you know, would they describe it? And I'd go, Oh yeah, we just moved on and we did something different, not wanting to embarrass the situation and going, that wasn't me. (laughs) That was some other magician (laughs) at the fair, which then as I walk away, I'm going, boy, what kind of, of a uh, impression did a performer or even me leave if they saw me last year, but they're confusing me with somebody else.
2: Well, we, um, several years ago, probably more like six, seven years ago when fairs kind of started bringing us back a second or third year in a row. We had a couple of fair managers saying, but could you do a different ending? And I was like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure you're thinking like the consumer. <laughs> you're thinking too much like the fair manager who wants to see something different every year. And we did it for one fair out West. And I said, I promise you, you're gonna get hate mail because people are gonna say, I came to see Kristen do the water cell, and she did That's like
0: asking Garth Brooks not to sing Friends in Low Places.
2: My analogy has always been, do you ask Charlie Daniels to not sing The Devil Went Down to Georgia because you heard it before?
0: Bingo. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and, it. And
2: technically, the water cell is different every single time. Sure. And I explained to them, I've had several families come back during the fair three times in one week. You're worried about 52 weeks later? Don't worry
0: about it. <laughs> For sure. And Kristen, uh, with that water torture cell, almost every time I see it live at the end of the show, there is a line of little girls lining up to come and meet you and get a picture with you. Little girls from, you know, four years old to let's just 40. Say all of them 40. Not over forty. There are no no one exists over forty. <laughs> That's how it is. But <laughs> but yes, the line of of females that want to come up and young girls that want to come meet you. How does it feel knowing you're making that kind of an impression on little girls?
1: Well, I, I got I look at it a little bit differently. It's not it's not a um, for me. It's the it's the best part of the show. It's when I get to engage with these young people and interact with them. And it's not so much. It's not all about me at that point. It's in my opinion, it's all about them. And, you know, what do they like to do? What what do they need encouragement for? Because uh, the advantage has been for me that I don't look like a Barbie doll. I don't look like a Vegas showgirl. I am five foot four and I am an average build and I look like everybody's next door neighbor. So I have the ability to relate to people in a broader scope than if I did look like a Barbie doll. Not that looking like a Barbie doll is bad. It's no. just not who I am. And I'm not graceful. I'm, I'm kind of a dork. So I just, you know, I think that people identify with that and being approachable for me, when we were doing Illusions, when we are doing, um, you know, uh, the big production shows and stuff, um, I remember a situation where I met somebody That was a famous performer and they held themselves here and I was down here and I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be here because I think that's where the that's where the impact happens. That's where the the relationships happen. And for me, that's the best part about what we do, because when we started performing together, the most important thing uh, for both of us was to have an impact. To have a positive impact on the world to make the world a better place now we did not know that we were going to go the, the way and the route that we did um to the level that we did but um uh, we we've embraced that and that's important to us because it's not just a matter of of you have a skill and you're sharing your skill it's about making the world a better place
0: yeah so the two of you have developed this Lady Houdini show. You're cruising along with uh, with the show. You're having great success. Life is good. And then January 2017 comes along, and you know I want to make sure as we segue into the show that um, you know we kind of keep the focus on the 2020 pandemic and, and how we've all you guys have dealt with it. But I think that event in January 2017 molded who you guys are more specifically. Absolutely. I think, I think you're res- more than the event itself. I don't think you're a, um, you know, a, a victim of that. I think you're, your resilience molded who you are, um, and, and how that changed your lives. And I would be remiss to not have you guys talk about it for a few minutes. So if you will, as much or as little as you guys want to talk about, tell us what happened on January 12th, 2017.
2: So we were all set up uh, in West Palm, South Florida Fair, and um, ready to open up on the 13th of January. On the 12th, we're at the gym, uh, five, six miles away from the fairgrounds, some some other friends of ours, leaving the gym, heading back to the fairgrounds, and probably just a half a mile from the fairgrounds, uh, come up to a stoplight, and uh, uh, light turns green, look both ways like I normally do, went across the intersection, and um, uh, don't remember anything. Uh, Basically got hit by uh, a vehicle, got hit by a Range Rover on my side of the vehicle. Um, That Range Rover was 20 inches inside of our car, sitting right inside my chest, Uh, suffered a broken leg, five fractures of the pelvis, eight broken ribs that were so badly shattered I had to have eight titanium plates on my ribs, Um, completely deflated left lung, broken scapula, Two brain hemorrhages, lost my left kidney, had to be cut out of the car with jaws of life, and life flighted to uh, a, a, a level one trauma unit, which was St. Mary's in West Palm, and um, was unconscious for five weeks, ICU for a total of eight weeks. Uh, just uh, four days before that accident, I, I, I take photos in the gym most every every, every time, but. I think the last photos before the rack in the gym were four days before weight 206 was starting to train for a physique competition um woke up uh old, almost six weeks later at 140 pounds so I lost 66 pounds or a third of my entire body weight didn't walk for four months um we missed seven months of work um Kristen suffered uh third degree separated shoulder punctured lung, broken ribs, uh, concussion. All her injuries were from me hitting her, coming all the way over to her side of the car. And then the biggest part that you don't know yet in this story, if you're hearing this for the first time, um, there was a 17-year-old driving the Range Rover. She was texting as she blew through a red light at 50 miles an hour.
0: And what kind of vehicle were you in? In a BMW
2: 335. So weighed about half the weight of the Range Rover
0: definitely Um, not a fair fight on that one
2: no not at all um fought for my life Krista could share a little bit about um kind of the 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 life-threatening parts
1: well there are three things that should have killed him and didn't
2: and i think that his sheer
1: size was one of the factors that a whole lot of prayer and an incredible team at st mary's that kept him alive but um on a on a daily basis while he was in icu there's you know people say well how's he doing today he, he was never stable. If you're in ICU, you're not stable, and um, it was just a whether or not it was just a little bad or a lot of bad. And um, he had a nurse. Call, uh, her name is Francine, and we stay in touch with her. And uh, she was one of the night nurses. And uh, I would say, okay, you know, what do we have to do today? Because if they change his medications, his his temperature could go up or it could go down. His breathing could change. Um, He was on a a ventilator. He was on um, dialysis 24 hours. He had so many things hooked up to him that any change in any one of those items caused his body to just freak out. And um, so uh, it it was a um, uh, it was a really challenging time for sure.
0: So five weeks that you were under.
2: How long was it
0: after all of that before you were finally able to make it back out on the road?
2: Um, We went to work seven months later um, against the advice of our friends, our family, our peers. Um, One very specifically being my uncle. Uh, We went back to work August 2nd. Um, And in September, my uncle called me. And he said, I was dead set against you going back to work because you didn't think you're ready for it. I thought you set yourselves back. I mean, we had people who didn't think we were going to ever come back. And I felt that we wanted to use this to have an impact, to share a message and to, to be encouraging and motivating. And I can't say, well, you know. Hopefully the story encourages you. If you ever have a bad problem and you have two or three years to recover, you know, I had to get back out there. I couldn't take, I couldn't take three years to come back and then tell my story. I had to get back out there as soon as I could. So my uncle said I was really dead set against it. He goes, then I was watching the movie called concussion uh, about NFL football players with Will Smith. And there's a quote in the movie. And he goes, I thought about that quote. And the quote is when you have the truth on your side, what you know, what they tell you, you can't do is what you must do. And everybody told us you can't do this. And I, I created that as a challenge and we went out and we did it.
0: I remember watching the live feed because that was, I was at OC fair. I was out in Costa Mesa and I watched that live feed and like your show's good, but it doesn't make me cry y'all. I mean, it just doesn't. And here I am, I'm in the dressing room on my phone And, you know, some I think maybe the entertainment director came at somebody and I'm just freaking bomb like I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm crying. I'm emotional. I mean, that was because I was there. I was with you guys in West Palm when that happened. I remember walking away that day. We were in the right outside your uh, your RV right by the stage. And I said, hey, you know, why don't we um, do you want to go out to eat tonight? And oh, we're going to the gym, but let's do breakfast sometime during the fair. And I said, okay, cool. I got to go get something to eat. I'm dying. And you gave me one of these energy bars that you hear like here. It's, you know, if you're hungry, grab it. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll, you know, see you tomorrow. And uh, I didn't see you tomorrow. I, well, there wasn't the next day. And, you know, at that point, um, uh, that song from uh, that was used in fast and furious was really big on the radio at that point that Charlie Puth sings and uh, see you again. And yeah. it, would, it came on. Like, as I drove out the fair that day, it came on and I was like, ah, I can't listen to that because, you know, all that is was so emotional for that cast and crew of the Fast and Furious franchise because of of the loss of Paul Walker. And then I hear this song and I'm thinking about you being in this crash and was like, oh, my God, it's one of my best friends on the planet. And I was a wreck. I was a complete wreck. But you guys made it back. Um, It was amazing to see that show. Um, you went now from 140 pounds. I remember seeing you when you were in that, um, you know, not, it wasn't
1: quantum house.
0: What was it? Quantum house over
1: in quantum house. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, and that was, and that was scary. You were, you were super thin. You looked very gaunt. And now, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all we see is shirtless photos from you. (laughs) You've definitely, you know, in the time. In the time you have had just, let's just recap how, um, how focused and dedicated you are in the time that it took you to get in a crash, be in a coma for five weeks, do all that recovery, lose all that weight, and then slowly start putting the muscle back on and get yourself back to, you know, 200 or so pounds with an amazing physique. I managed to gain 12 pounds. (laughs) That's what I managed to do in that time. Um, and then, but you weren't done bad luck was not done with you you had another mishap
2: yeah unfortunately um we're, we're pushing about a year and a half now but uh, uh may 13 of 2019 um, we had a new trailer that was uh, c- completely custom built for the video wall uh because the first year of the video wall we had to build it every single fair so you would have a, a a lift from the fair it took hours to build it took hours to tear down and we knew there was a better way And and we know so many people obviously in the fair market, especially on the show side on the carnivals and everything is automated things, hydraulics, motors. So we took all those ideas, took a a bunch of different people's ideas, um, gleaned as much as we could and had a custom trailer built where the whole show's in the trailer. The car is as well. The video wall travels on top and in 15 seconds it goes from here to here and it's ready for the show. And I can even take it down in 15 seconds if we got inclement weather coming on, and and um, so we had the trailer for a couple months. Um, There was a malfunction and a um, a poor design on the door, and a 550 pound rear door of the trailer came crashing down from its vertical position all the way down, and um, he was underneath. I was underneath. Uh, on asphalt, not even uh, the graces of a soft ground, on asphalt, uh, pushed me back. I tried to hold it up. Uh, there was no way to holding it up. Once it started moving, the engineer that came and did the, the research on the accident, he said that door hit me with 11 and 17,000 pounds of force. Um, fell on my left side, door came, hit the right side, the right hip, uh, broke the right hip, completely shattered and sheared the entire ball off of the left hip. Um, taken right away uh, to, again, to a trauma unit. And about 11 hours later had emergency hip replacement. Um, so uh, I missed uh, three months of work or so there. Um, that kind of set me back. Um, one thing I haven't shared with a lot of people I probably have with you, but on May 12th, we were at the gym And I took a photo, as I always do. (laughs) And May 12th was the first day since January 12th, 2017, that I felt like I was back Um, physically, even kind of emotionally, um, that I was back at at my fighting weight. And until that day, I always felt like the wreck was still winning because I wasn't me. And on May 12th, when I snapped that photo, and was pleased with how I looked. I was excited. I shared with her. I shared with a lot of close people. Today I felt like I'm I'm back. I'm me.
0: I, I, I'm beating the wreck now. And that lasted for well, 24 having, hours.
1: Right. Exactly. And and it's like it, there's a there's a process in finding your new normal. It's the it's the point at which you'll never be the same, but you've come to terms with and you've figured out how to work with what you've got to have the new normal, right? So whatever that is, whether there's pain for this or not paying for that, or, you know, whatever it is, but it's, it's, it's a new normal. It's not the same. You're not back to a hundred percent. You, you found your new normal and you have a comfort level there, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, totally. Now with, with the door hitting your right hip, was there any re-injury um, from the wreck? Did it damage any of the plating or anything like that?
2: Fortunately, on the car wreck, on the hip, the hip had five fractures on the left side. All my damage was on my left side from the car wreck. And there were five fractures in the, in the uh, pelvis area. Um, and there was a, a broken bone in the leg. So the only thing I had to have done surgically, bone-wise, were the eight-plated ribs. The hip and the leg were sitting perfectly. And because I was, you know, in that paralytic state and not moving, they chose to just let them sit exactly how they were for those five weeks and and to fuse back naturally. So I don't, I didn't have any plates on my hip. Okay. Um, but he
1: was very fortunate. There are, there are two things that happened that we're very grateful for. One is he, he didn't hit his head because if he had brain damage as a result of falling on the ground or the door hitting his head, that would have been catastrophic. Yep. The other thing is is that we were very fortunate that the door landed right near where his remaining kidney is. So the biggest concern we had was that there was damage to that kidney because the bruising on his side from from, you know, underneath his arm down down to his hip and then from the front of his stomach to the the middle of his back was black. So um, it was um, it was frightening, but, you know, there was no damage done to that kidney and there was um, uh, no more additional damage to the head. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that we know of. Wow. Well, um, but but I'll tell you, um, the 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 trailer accident in the hip, it was worse for me because for the car accident, I wasn't there. I was I was gone. I was asleep. I was in another place during the worst parts. Kristen wasn't. She suffered greatly watching all that daily. The hip accident was almost worse for me because I, I lived through it and was was actively there for it. And it was even worse for me mentally. I mean, it just um, having put in all that hard work and then have it blown up. And I was just like, I, I did not sign up for this. And uh, the, the the second wreck was almost worse. Um, I, I think you'll probably get to this eventually, but honestly, it, that's what prepared us. Those two things is what prepared us for twenty twenty.
0: You know, I was. That's exactly what was the next thing I was going to ask. Twenty twenty being such. Seems like it's so surreal. Um, you feel like that, you know, those traumas that you guys experienced. Did you really feel like that put you in a position to navigate twenty twenty.
1: I, I know that I, as a as a as an individual, am almost to a to a fault, not traumatized by any of this, <laughs> because what I lived through with with him and the initial accident um, changed who I am as a person and how I respond to things. Um, I used to worry about, you know, you blow a tire on, on the road. Oh my gosh, where are we going to get a tire? Oh my gosh, how much is it going to be? Oh my gosh, how late are we going to be? All those kinds of things. Nope.
0: You have perspective. You have perspective.
1: And I don't, I, I don't worry about, okay, we haven't worked when we got sent home. Um, from our, our event in Charlotte, after a day and a half of being open, uh, it it was just, okay, we'll just go. I certainly didn't think it was going to last this long, but you know, it's, it's, I don't care. He's here. Um, we're healthy. Uh, we, we have a, a roof over our head and we have something to eat. And I'm not, I'm not, we know lots of people and just as we would bring other people into our home, I know other people will let us in their home. If we got into a pinch, I, I and as long as we're here, that's all that matters.
0: At, at what point you guys, you mentioned being sent home from Charlotte cause they got canceled, you know, a day or so in, at what point did you two realize this pandemic was going to be more serious than, than it seemed at the beginning?
2: Well, um, we were closed down March 13th. We were in Charlotte at the the Motor Speedway there. And we're like, okay, uh, we're gonna get back to work in, we'll we'll be off for April, half of the, the second half of March, then April. Like we'll go back to work in May. Then we start seeing that's probably not gonna happen. We'll go back to work in June. No, we'll go back to work in July. And this is still like in May. I mean, we're still looking out. We're starting to look out 30 days, then 60 days, then 90 days. Um, it wasn't always just next month, next month. OK, we'll open 30 days from now. We'll open 60 days from now. We'll open 90 from days from now. And then like that kind of August was like, no, August is going to happen. It's like Kentucky State Fair was really confident. And, and uh, a lot of our dates in August were still very confident. And then we realized we may really lose the rest of the year. And we've been fortunate. We, we get just got home uh, a week ago from doing two fairs in Alabama and Georgia that were both very successful. We didn't know they were going to happen until probably the first week of September. And the first one started the third week of September. <laughs> and um, so we did that. And then uh, uh, Georgia and uh, so we're very blessed and very thankful for what we have because we know there's people who've not worked at all. Um, that still doesn't give me maybe a lot of proof of what's going to happen going forward. Sure. Uh, I mean, things are things are very strange, and no one could have prepared for this. I mean, we had we had nine eleven. Every went to affairs happened in October. The only thing that happened nine eleven entertainment wise even like even over to the sports you lost one week of football you, you, uh, World Series was pushed back a week uh, that was about it um, We had a housing market crisis in, in 2008 2009 People still went to work every single day yep. this has been completely different than anyone else has ever been prepared for
0: yeah so from your perspective I mean obviously all of us as entertainers in the fair industry and corporate events and whatnot we're independent contractors. And suddenly government comes in and says, shut it down. You're out of business. Um, I mean, we all got bills to pay. What right. have you guys been able to, I mean, you said you got a couple of shows in there, but have you guys been able to you know, get creative and find other ways to generate revenue for your business?
2: Um, yeah. So um, probably around like the July area, maybe early August, uh, I mean, several other guys uh, started talking. We're, We're going to start putting to uh, put our money together and our minds together and and started a logistics and trucking company. And um, that has a a lot of promise. And I I really see that um, doing really well for us during the shutdown. And even when we're back up and running at whatever percentage that is, 25 percent, 50 percent, 100 percent. And I think it's all a mindset. Um, You can either. And and this would probably be more five years from now, 10 years from now, hindsight. But you can look back and you can either decide for yourself, COVID is the worst thing that ever happened to me or COVID is the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I know other people who've started businesses who were in the speaking world and and life coach and motivational stuff and would have never ventured out to do anything because she was very successful at that. Uh, She went got certified as a firearms instructor. She's now uh, awaiting her final certification on being a concealed carry permit instructor. And um, she would have never done that if she was out busy working. Well, this looks to be far bigger and uh, greater than anything she was ever doing up to this point. So COVID should be the worst thing that happened to you or the best thing. I think that's up to each and each individual person themselves.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, um, you know, there's silver linings in all of this. I mean, the first one that came for me was, you know, after 10 years of hobbling around on a, on a semi healed broken ankle, I finally had the six months to put together to actually get this thing fixed and not have to do it the way you did and lose months and months of, of income. It's already gone. Take that time, do it now. Um, you know, we were, We were talking before we started recording the show. At least one fair has reached out and said, "You know, we want to bring Conjure back for for 21 in the event we have a fair." And but can you make it COVID safe? And there's a couple of ideas they floated at me that I went, "I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out." And I, I, who knows, it could be the thing that, you know, all of a sudden I changed the change Conjure up just slightly, and maybe I have fair managers banging down my doors, and all of a sudden I'm doing 150, 200 days a year with it. You know, and I, I think it's all attitude when, with moving forward. And, um, when you're, when you're talking with other people, um, cause in talking with other guests, while I've been recording, it became apparent to me that more of us within the industry, you know, entertainers, fair managers, vendors, we need to be in touch with each other and checking on one another. Um, like you said, um, you guys are, are, have a great perspective on handling this. Um, I, I count my blessings every day that Sarah still has her, her career. That's paying our mortgage and truck payment. We're keeping things going. Um, but not everybody's in that spot and a lot of people are hurting in this. You've got millions of jobs lost businesses going away. Um, the Robert Graham center talks about, you know, on the low side, we could be seeing, you know, 25 to 30,000 additional deaths of despair, up to you know one hundred and fifty thousand or so, and you are talking from substance abuse and suicide from people losing everything, right? And so, I really think it's important that we're keeping in touch with each other. Are, are you keeping in touch with your your friends and, and connections within the fair industry and checking on how they're doing?
1: Yeah, I've done um, I've done uh, Zoom parties where we played uh, games on uh, Zoom, so that that was fun, and and uh, done done uh, other meetings. Uh, virtual vir, uh,
2: virtual happy hours yep uh, with people around the country um and Kristen is, is too humble to even talk about this she has a group of women uh that they share gratefuls every single day and, the, oh, these- and do they do
0: that on zoom or how do you do that text
2: we do it oh, by just text. text
0: you got a group yeah. text message with your girls going okay
2: and, but it's, I mean, I, am not privy to any of them and I wouldn't want to be to, to, you know, uh, violate any sort of, uh, uh, just confidentiality and comfort with, with them being able to share freely with each other. But, um, uh, I, I think they share five things that they have to come up with five things that they are grateful for every single day.
0: That's powerful.
2: And, uh, obviously, you know, some going, days are harder than others, <laughs> you know, going back to your shirt, and um oh the gratitude wins wins. yeah and i I, basically if you recall our first public outing after the wreck in 2017 our first public outing was florida federation affairs convention yep and um kristen had called and uh i I forget who runs the floor uh from pasco
0: jim ward Uh, yeah so
2: she called jim and I mean, it's, it's only like two weeks before the trade show. I mean, there, There's not supposed to be a booth available. And she calls Jim and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about coming. Um, uh, is there by chance anything? Has anyone canceled? And he said.
1: I've been saving
2: a spot for you.
1: So he said, I think it's really important that you get out and come. So.
2: We did. And um, the spot was right next to the stage okay. up front. <laughs>
0: oh, prime spot. I
2: mean, and um, Front and center. And then, so we, we paid for the booth and, and then we, we made our way there. And, you know, I was, I, I was walking freely, but not for long periods of time. I spent a lot of time in, in, in the chair, in the booth, uh, but it was great to see everybody. Um, I had to learn the hugs were a lot longer than I thought they should have been because <laughs> they, they needed to feel that I was really there and, and, and well, and then Jim had a meeting before the, the floor opened that first day on, um, of the trade show and to go over business and stuff with, with all the fair managers. And, and so, you know, a lot of people came by and I had to learn that the, um, most of the hugs were, um, longer than maybe i felt they should have been (laughs) because people needed to just touch me and and know that i was there and real
0: meanwhile you're Um, still sore
2: yes well not so much that but uh (laughs) um and then they had a meeting before the floor opened the first day of the trade show and and jim put it up in front of all the fair managers and uh he said i put it before the board we're going to vote on it that we cover kevin and Kristen's booth and this is the story he's telling me. And then um, the fair manager from Strawberry stood up and said, "No, I'm going to cover the whole thing."
0: Paul Davis said that.
2: Yeah. That's
0: and ama- so when they're they're literally fighting over who's going to cover it for you. <laughs> and we have never performed there. It's just who Paul is. That's I mean the, yeah. the folks in Florida they do. They do great stuff. Hey, speaking um, speaking of good people, um, I've got a, a little guy here who's one of your biggest friends that wants to interrupt the podcast real quick and say, hey, come on. Come say hi. Hello.
2: Hey, buddy. Nate, we how got, are you?
0: We got Nate here. This is my son who is an absolute crazy fan of these two. Hello. Hey,
2: Nate. Hey, uh, we got to fix that shirt, though. It needs to be a Lady Houdini shirt. <laughs> no no
0: (laughs) he's wearing my conjurer shirt
2: maybe when the conjurer shirts dirty how about that maybe okay (laughs) (laughs) my goodness you're getting big he's huge yeah and unfortunately we're not going to see in san antonio so we'll have to make arrangements uh elsewhere
0: we'll we'll catch up at some point yeah
2: yeah all right all right can we
0: can we finish Thank you, sir. <laughs> See you later,
1: buddy. <laughs> Go later. When? <laughs> Probably half
0: hour. He wants to get back on his Xbox. That's right next to me in the living room. I'm like, oh, no, I'm goodness. recording well, we a podcast.
1: It was important.
0: So yeah, I mean, hey, it, he's nine. Fortnite and Roblox and whatnot are important. That's important business.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, so yeah, Florida fairs. I remember that year, and I was, I was emotional that you guys had made it back. If you know, it felt like maybe we were taking a step back towards you getting to quote unquote normal life. Um, yeah, so let's talk for a minute here about what do you think the future of this industry could look like. You know, over the next say eighteen to thirty-six months. Um, what do you think some of the challenges? are gonna be, that we'll face as entertainers?
2: Um, I, I think the biggest challenges are gonna be everything from logistics to, uh, to legal, to local health departments. Um, we, we saw kind of two different, even experiences in, in Alabama and Georgia. Um, what, what we did see is that Americans are, are ready to get back out and live um we saw great crowds um health department could have a big impact on what they will allow and not allow happen insurance companies will have a big say so uh on what they will cover what they won't cover what they're going to charge and then how that's going to affect a fair board on deciding what to do um there's fairs going on right now in georgia that have a a full show, a full midway, full carnival, food, but canceled all the entertainments. Um, So it's not even like one of the drive-in fairs because they still have a full carnival and people are walking in and mingling and and going about the grounds, but they canceled all entertainment. So I hope that that's um, a a major exception and not not the norm. uh, I do know that most of the people that we are friends with and that we're even acquaintances with are resilient and they will figure out individually and collectively what we have to do. Um, they could be anything from the drive-in show that we've seen personally uh, here in Fort Myers with with you know, 10 different entertainers, um, all good friends of ours. Um to kind of how things ha- took place in Atlanta, where certain entertainers had to maybe not do certain parts of their show. Uh, circus Hollywood brought their entire circus, the full rig, just didn't hang the tent or the vinyl, and then still hung lights from all the guy wires. And honestly, it was beautiful. So now you see all these aerial acts performing not against the underside of the tent, performing against the night sky.
0: That's cool. Um,
2: so now everybody was still outdoors. Which does make a big difference outdoors versus indoors, and so that was brilliant. And I know, you know, a true circus aficionado would would you know kind of pooh pooh that. It was beautiful. It looked amazing. If it
0: works, you know, if the if the shoe fits, there. You know, the first circus that I saw that was that was outdoors was um, Kevin Venardis when he first got his circus going out at L.A. County. He had a small tent. And by small, it would, you know, maybe 25 feet wide by 10 feet deep that he, that's for the costumes and the chain, but that was the backdrop and he performed, he had, you know, the aerial rigging and whatnot for the, I don't know, Lyra or whatever the the heck, the aerial stuff they were doing, but it was outdoors against the night sky. And I thought, I always thought that was cool. You know, I thought that was an interesting look. And, um, you know, I think as performers, we've got, we have to be ready to modify our shows. I don't want to change Conjure. I think we I figured it out. I'm comfortable with it. It works in what a fortune machine should look like. But if we've got to make some modifications for, you know, 18 to 36 months or whatnot until we get past this, and that's, I think that we we all have to be open to doing that. Um, I think the other thing some performers might be overlooking, or or some maybe seeing that, I think there's going to be a much narrower bandwidth. Don't you guys think for where, for the budgets for us to perform where, you know, a fair might have had a say a hundred thousand dollar entertainment budget previously with sponsorships or whatever, and they might only have 40,000 now. So there's going to be less entertainment dollars to go around. Don't you think?
2: Well, yeah, especially 21, uh, going forward, uh, because they will have had no, uh, income or profit, uh, um, from 2020. Um, so some fairs we know that could have, legally as far as their local um, uh, ordinance and health department could have held their fair. And they said, but here's the thing, we're probably still going to lose money. So if we're going to lose money, let's just not have the fair. Let's take all the money that we would Mm -hmm. going to put towards that event this year and lose and put it towards 2021. So hopefully 2021 is as close to normal as possible. Um,
0: at least it offsets the loss at that point for 21. Yeah.
2: And then, and then, like you said, the, the word you said, which is going to have the biggest impact is sponsors. Um, if those businesses or that industry that those businesses come from are still suffering uh, their sponsorship dollars are going to be drastically lower. Yeah. Uh, and we all know fairs, Uh, depend on those sponsorship dollars.
0: Hugely. You know, I was talking um, on one of the other episodes with Jessica Underberg, the CEO of the Erie County Fair up there in Hamburg, New York. And she was um, thinking and some of the people that she's talked to around her community that for those businesses that were deemed essential and because so much, in some cases, competition was closed, some of these businesses did really, really well. And they're actually actively looking for things to sponsorship because they feel, um, you know, I, I don't want to say use survivor's guilt as the word, but they feel an obligation to give back and support their community. So maybe that can balance it. I think right now the, the unknown for a lot of people is what's holding them back. You know, sponsors, they want to get involved, but do they want to commit dollars and then there's no fair and there's just so much unknown out there ahead of us. Sure. So, you know, aside from Awful Year for Business, how are each of you doing personally?
2: We're doing well. We, we, we're together 24-7 anyways. Um, I would say during COVID, we probably have had less time together because Kristen has been helping out friends of ours who are from the fare industry who decided to start a restaurant two weeks before the shutdown.
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> Worst time in the history of our country to start a restaurant. Fortunately, uh, they are a takeout sub shop. And they've been doing extremely well to the point that Kristen, uh, they, they, they said, can you help us out? So Kristen has been helping out a lot. And, um, uh, you know, like you said, just checking on each other. I mean, we're doing what we can to help those around us, those who've helped us. Uh, you know, so we're just giving back and, um, but we're, we're doing well. Um, in Florida, we've had good weather, so it's going to sound very superficial, but my day typically consists of gym, sun, beach, and food.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good well, day. Now, now all you, with all that, all you got to do is something stupid and we can see the headline and call you Florida man. <laughs> There you go. I'm trying to stay out of that. Yes, definitely. Do not be Florida, man. Uh, But speaking of Florida, you know, the pandemic has hit all of us hard from a business standpoint. Um, But, you know, if you watch Facebook all across the industry, there's, you know, just like any other year, there's, there's friends uh, within the industry that we've lost. Um, And for those of us in the Florida fair family, you know, we took another hit late September Lisa Dudding, the entertainment director for the South Florida Fair and a friend to, gosh, pretty much everyone, lost her battle with cancer. Um, I always found her to be just an absolutely dynamite human being. And I know you both were close with her. Um, can you share a favorite memory you have of, of Lisa?
1: I Mine, is, mine is, is bad, but anyway, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, being at the Federation, um, when one of the first years that we were there, and we were at a, a suite party, and uh, I think we were probably at the um, in the the suite that they were doing for the South Florida Fair, and uh, she offered me a drink, and she offered me she was telling me about Tito's. So ever <laughs> ever since then, Tito's has been my go-to. <laughs> since she introduced me to Tito's at a Florida <laughs> Federation. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, that's funny because Teresa was the one who introduced me to Tito's because they were a sponsor one year, and she was like, "Hey, here's a here's a bottle," and I was like, "Yes, that must be a South Florida fair thing."
2: That's funny. well, um Lisa and and the whole staff there were instrumental in um, the, the the evening of the wreck, the day after, uh, for months. So they stored our, our semi in a trailer there uh till. June or July, from from January on, um, Barrett Jackson came into town. If you know, and you know Barrett Jackson, the car auction, they take over the entire fairgrounds as one event. I mean, it's a massive event. And um, even though Florida Federation was my first public event, that's probably more industry. Seeing you know uh, my peers, um, Lisa and the staff invited me out to go to Barrett Jackson just to get me out of because I had really hadn't been out of quantum House at this point in time, I'm still in a wheelchair. And so they got me in, into bear Jackson and, and gave me all access and, and, um, all the girls there in the office at, at, at South Florida fair, we love. And, um, the whole, the, the, the
1: reason we got to stay in quantum house is because of the people at, at the fair, um, uh, they, they were truly lifesavers. If, and I believe that Quantum House saved my life just as much as it did Kevin's because if I hadn't had that environment um, of support and that uh, community within the Quantum House, I would have faded away. I would not have done well at all. And we didn't have a safe place for him to be because everything we had had steps. And he couldn't do steps, and he couldn't make the maneuverability through anything, um, let alone me move him someplace. Um, so, uh, they're, um, we're forever grateful to
2: the folks at South Florida Fair. Yeah. And they they were the you know they were the first fair that we missed because it was supposed to start the very next day, and uh, they were the very first fair that we 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 did to uh, complete that contract a year later. And, um, so we're very fortunate that they brought us back and and it was a big deal. Um, and uh, like Kristen said, forever grateful to them.
0: Yeah, they're fantastic people. And I, I know they're, they're hurting right now having lost Lisa and, um, you know, we just want to send all of us, send our love and and support to everybody at that South Florida Fair family. And, you know, there are a lot of people around this industry struggling right now, um, not, ever, not all of them have the perspective you have. I heard it said that, um, I guess, Sarah told me this, my wife, uh, for those of you guys listening that don't know Sarah, um, she, was, she kept hearing people say, you know, hey, we're all in the same boat. And then she heard someone say, no, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, a large ship is going to weather the storm a lot better than a small fishing boat. What advice do you have for those folks out there that are really struggling right now? Wow. Um.
1: Well, here, here's my thing. And this goes back to, to our old days in, a, in, a, in a, a phrase that we used a lot. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Uh, we would have been working um, over the course of of timeframes. And because we weren't, my friend that I met at Quantum House came from Poland and I got to see her. I wouldn't have been in the same state, let alone the same part of the country, if I'd been working. But I got to see her. Um, There are just so many things like that where because that happened, this happened. And when you step back from it, you look at it, you can find, it's like it's like what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for these opportunities that I've been able to um, spend time at the beach with Kevin, that I've been able to help friends that need friends, that I've been able to create something um, and, and give it to someone else that, does therapy for me, but it gives them something special, and then it it um, it creates that um, continued bond. And uh, so, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.
0: I like that quote. I really dig it. I mean, it's been a hell of a year for everybody, and I think uh, I, I think gratitude and, and empathy have been what's pushing us through. I know for our side, what's pushing us through. Um, kind of tough to come by gratitude and, and empathy when you look at the news and see everything going on around the election. And it's just a lot of misery everywhere. But I, I choose every day to wake up and say, I'm still so breathing. Let's go, you know?
2: Well, and I think like one of the questions you asked earlier, and it is just start checking on your friends. I mean, you know, we see them three, four, five, six times a year at the fairs, you know, now we're not seeing them uh, as often, So check on them, see how they're doing and uh, see if they need anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's just the phone call. Yep. You know,
2: probably uh, the biggest thing is people who are, who do a lot of shows throughout the year probably think they complained about is they don't have enough time to get this done or that done. You don't have an excuse now. So if there are some things that you were, you you needed to get done, take this time to work on it.
0: Yep. I saw, I told Jess Gunderberg I saw a meme that went across Facebook and it was something to the effect of, you know, if you get get through this crisis, this pandemic crisis, and you're the same person you were before it started, you messed up, you failed. So, well, listen, I appreciate having you guys on the show. We're, uh, we're just about out of time, but before we go, everybody gets the speed round questions.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like the look in your eyes just then.
0: <laughs> yeah. So these are for each of you. Um, You guys decide who answers first. This one, the first one, is kind of for both the uh, a together answer. So, what's the last movie you saw together? Speed round, come on, come on. Martin
2: Harris, the speed round. (laughs) Well, well, the last, maybe just the last thing we've been watching on TV would be Sons of Anarchy.
0: Sons of Anarchy, perfect. Yeah. What is the furthest from home each of you have ever traveled?
2: Australia. Australia.
0: Very good. Favorite concert each of you have attended? Favorite concerts? Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, man, maybe lately, uh, the Melissa Etheridge and um, uh, um, Pat Benesar.
1: Yeah, that was really good. But my, my he didn't go to it with me. I went to see the last um, concert for 10,000 Maniacs.
0: 10,000 Maniacs. That's, yeah. a, that's a
1: retro. That's way back. Way
0: back. Awesome. Way. Who was the first celebrity crush for each of you?
2: Ooh, wow, I can uh, probably Brooke Shields.
0: That aged me. Kristen.
1: Three, two, two, one. uh, Brad Pitt.
0: Brad Pitt. She went with the safe answer there, Kevin. Did you notice that? I know. All right. Uh, Favorite exercise each of you do at the gym?
2: Shoulder press,
0: squats. And on a scale of one to infinity, how many shirtless photos does Kevin currently have on his phone?
2: infinity i I am maxing
0: uh my memory storage on the phone are you so the
2: files are really big
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you started using like the cloud storage yet to for overflow space
2: i've maxed out the cloud
0: (laughs) oh my goodness oh you guys are amazing um listen it's an absolute privilege (laughs) the shirtless photos are a riot i i dig that the the posts, the 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 comedy around it, that people always kind of rolling their eyes. Here's another shirtless photo from Kevin.
2: It, it honestly was just, you know, a way for me to uh, journalize or journal my comeback. And then it took a life of its own with people really liking them and then people really hating them. And, and the that's... people who really hate them are the
1: reason he keeps doing them.
0: Of course. And the memes, I'm sorry. When you held up when you put it as the meme for with uh, from it um, Yes, yes. With a please pr- post more, more shirtless photos. I was dying.
2: So now I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping at least weekly to do something very viral with one of those.
0: Oh, no, I would listen. If I had been in your position going from 140 and on death's door and looking like you do now, I would Thanks. be posting gratuitous ab shots and, and flexing <laughs> shots 24 seven. I would have no friends left because they would all unfriend me.
1: Are, 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 are you 140 now?
0: No. Oh my God. If I was 140, I wouldn't be complaining. No, I've had a rough go. Uh, I, I actually gained the COVID 19 and, uh, I'm back down to only COVID 11. And then that's about where I was when my, when I had the surgery on my ankle. And so trying to watch diet a little, um, but I, you know, until I get cleared in December to just go all out, you know, only so much I can do. Yep. But listen, you guys, absolute privilege to have you both on the show. Kind of sad we don't get to see each other at a a convention this year. Um, But please know Sarah and Nate and I wish you guys very happy holidays. We wish you all the best. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time we get to catch up with you. Same here. Give our best to Sarah. I will. Love you guys. Be good. Thanks for being on the show. You've been listening to the Fair Game
2: Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more
1: information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.